I'm Ted Burnham. And I'm Tom Yulesman. This is How on Earth, the show that'll make you smarter. It's Tuesday, April 12th, 2011. Coming up on today's show, the science of music. We'll also have a big announcement about our own theme music. And we're joined in the studio by Tom Wassinger, who produced our theme song. So all of you multi-talented composers out there, here's your chance to be heard once a week on KGNU to utilize the uh, um, musical system based on the overtone series of a vibrating string to be heard by millions. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science. Antibiotic resistance is no longer limited to hasty prescriptions or hand soaps. In New Delhi, India, antibiotic-resistant bacteria have been found in water used for drinking, washing, and cooking. Researchers from Cardiff University tested the public water supply in India's capital city. What Timothy Walsh and his colleagues found were bacteria known as superbugs. These superspecies of bacteria contain a gene that makes them resistant to antibiotics. The gene's secret weapon is an enzyme called New Delhi metallo-beta-lactamase, or NDM1. Bacteria that contain this enzyme are dangerous because the infections they cause, including cholera and dysentery, cannot be treated with antibiotics. In fact, Walsh says the only medication that can treat these resistant bacteria has toxic effects in humans. The gene that produces NDM1 was initially discovered in 2008, but its presence in New Delhi's water supply indicates that the gene is spreading. The researchers found the gene in 14 different species of bacteria in New Delhi. It had not been previously seen in 11 of those species. Newspapers have now reported the presence of the resistant bacteria in India, Pakistan, the United Kingdom, the United States, Canada, Japan, and Brazil. The results of the study were published in the online edition of the Lancet Infectious Disease Journal last Thursday. For KGNU, this is Brianna Draxler. And now a special announcement from the How on Earth production team. We are holding a contest to find new theme music. The theme you heard at the start of the show has served us well for many years, but we've decided it's time for a fresh new sound. And we want to give local musicians from the Boulder, Denver area a chance to show their stuff. Here's how it works. The call for submissions starts today and runs for three months. We'll post all submissions to our website, howonearthradio.org, where you can hear them and leave your comments. The How on Earth production team will judge the entries with help from a panel of musical experts. The winning entry will get a trial run as our new theme for six months and may well become our permanent theme. We'll also bring the winning artist on the show for an interview. To comment on the entries or to submit one yourself, visit our website at howonearthradio.org and click on Theme Song Contest. As we embark on this search for new theme music, we thought it appropriate to talk about the creation and history of our current theme. Joining us now is the man who produced that theme over 20 years ago. Tom Wassinger is a multi-Grammy winning producer, a composer, and a musician with a passion for world music. His career spans decades and includes dozens of albums, several film scores, and at least one radio theme song. Tom Wassinger, welcome to How on Earth. Thank you. So I want to talk about your involvement in the creation of our How on Earth theme, but first, tell us a little bit of how you first got interested in music. I saw the Beatles on TV when I was seven. I said, that's for me. 
Well, what about the Beatles got you interested? What, what well, you know, you you're seven years old and you see a bunch of guys on stage with uh, shaggy hair and all the girls are screaming and you say, wow, now that looks like fun. Was this Ed Sol- the Ed Sullivan It was the Ed show? Sullivan show. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, I think mm-hmm. there are a couple of people in the room who may have shared that same experience. Right. Well, I, if you can imagine uh, what year that was and if I was seven years old, and give you some idea of how old I am. Now... Tom, your musical interests are wide-ranging. Um, can you tell us about your interest in the musical potential of Stone? Um, let's see. There was a composer who used to live in Colorado named Bruce Odlin, and he now lives up on the Hudson River north of New York City. And he, he and I were friends, and uh, he, he called me to have me come play guitar in one of his com- compositions, and I showed up, and there was a particular sound he was using, and... Uh, and it was just unlike anything I had ever heard in my life. And I said, what is that? And he said, that is a stone. It happened to be a sample that he had made uh, at the Natural History Museum in Denver of a piece of obsidian that had been cut to be a resonant stone in, uh, I don't know, pre-Columbian Central America. He got access to all their old stuff. And so um, after I heard that, I kind of went on a quest of, of finding uh, resonant stone. And I found a fellow up in Estes Park uh, Dick, don't remember Dick's last name, but he had Dick's Rock Museum. And and Dick had all the stone cutting tools and everything up there, and he was hip to what kinds of stone were resonant. And so I started working with Dick, and I built a whole ensemble of resonating stone instruments. And uh, stone uh, like a, is a material that, uh, as you cut it, uh, the overtone characteristics, you know, you have a fundamental pitch, and then you have overtones, and those overtone characteristics are very erratic, unlike a vibrating string which has very very predictable overtone characteristics so with a vibrating string you have you hit a string on a guitar and you have a fundamental pitch and then the first overtone is two times that fundamental pitch and then the next overtone is three times and four times and five times and our western musical system has deviated a little bit from the from from actually matching up exactly with those overtones but uh, but it is uh, it's it's an equal division uh, of 12 equal pieces between the first and second overtones, and it doesn't exactly match up with all the overtones, but it gives us a musical system that has provided us with um, musical styles that could never have ex- existed otherwise, like uh, classical music and jazz and all these kinds of things. Well, you've also been involved in Native American music, and that was an interest that was honored in 2009 with a Grammy Award. Uh, that was your second, as I understand it. Tell us just a little bit about that, and then we can get into um, our, the, the contest and actually your involvement in the creation of, uh, of our theme song. Uh, I, I, I didn't really have any particular connection to Native American music, but in the mid-'90s, um, I got a call from Greg Fisher, who used to be the manager here at KGNU. And he was then working for Silver Wave Records, and they had a Native American artist, and they needed a producer for her. And I had done some, uh, I produced a couple of records that were, had been released by the same record company. I said, we can try that. And so she and I really hit it off and had a swell time. And then she started referring me to her friends and other people she knew. Next thing I knew, I was producing Native American artists. And part of it was, um, at the time, I I had an opportunity to work with this music, so I went and listened to everything. Went and listened to what was out there at the you know, and everything was either very very traditional or really really soupy with uh, synthesizers and such things. And I thought, boy, there's got to be a way to do this better. And so um, the early recordings were really successful commercially, so we went on. And so made. your uh, relationship with KGNU goes back a long way. It sounds like yes. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit about how you got involved producing the How on Earth theme. Um, what was involved, and, and 
What was the intention? Dave Wilson, who I believe might have been the original host of the show or something close to it, uh, was a close friend and uh, and a close friend of his who he had met when he was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford was Tim Morton, who was also an English professor here at the university. And Tim Morton and not only was a, an English professor and brilliant in that field, but he was also a really great musician. And his father was a violinist for the London Symphony, and, uh, and he had grown up with music and... Uh, and he was also a composer, and so um, Dave said, we need a theme for the show. I said, fine, I'm a little bit burned out right now, but if Tim would like to compose a theme for the show, then I'll help him record it. And that's how the first one came about. So I didn't really have a whole lot of creative input, but I did record it and sort of steer it into something usable. So can you tell us, we've always wondered, what are those bird-like sounds at the beginning of the, the song? They're probably birds, but you'd have to play it for me for me to remember. <laughs> they're, they're probably samples of birds, I'm guessing, if they're bird-like. Or, or it, it, it might even be there's a little uh, a little thing you can get that actually is a bird call that, that bird watchers will sometimes use. It's a little uh, piece of metal with chalk on it and, and a little wooden sleeve, and you spin it in there, and it makes bird chirps. So it's possible we use that or we use samples of birds. So real quick, because we're, we're almost out of time, do you have any advice for aspiring musicians who want to contribute to the contest? Uh, be fearless, be shameless, and uh, use your imagination. And there you go. Good advice. Well, we've been speaking with Tom Wassinger, producer of How on Earth's longstanding theme music. Today we're launching a contest to find a new one. Visit howonearthradio.org for specific details. Some local bands and musicians are already lined up to enter the contest, including Boulder's own Paper Bird. Here's a sample from their 2010 album, When the River Took Flight. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science and Technology Show. I'm Ted Burnham. To dig a little deeper into the science of music, I spoke with Anjali Batara, who's with the Laboratory of the Psychology of Perception in Paris. Dr. Batara studies how our brains interpret music, from the physical properties of sound to how it plays on our emotions. I asked her what qualities make a piece of music truly memorable. So how does the rhythm and the melody of a piece of music combine to make it catchy you know we're talking about a, a theme song contest on this show and we we're we're hoping to get music that that grabs listeners attention and really makes them want to hear what comes next you have to find a balance between being too predictable and not predictable enough you have to find the exact right amount of predictability in the music so it's like this inverted u-shaped curve at the bottom or on the I guess the bottom left side of these inverted U, you have maybe the too easy kind where it's just too repetitive, it's the same thing over and over again, and it's not interesting. And then on the other side at the bottom, you have whatever it is that is too crazy and no one can understand. And then in the middle, people will end up at this perfect level where they know what to expect sometimes, but are sometimes surprised. Do you have uh, any suggestions that, that might 
be tailored to the themes of a science show? Are there ways that, that music could convey that feeling uh, or, or the emotions that people might associate with, with science? Unfortunately, music is, is not so specific, but you can pick the, the mood that you want to convey for sure. There's the timbre, so just the, the sound quality. In uh, Peter and the Wolf, you have different instruments representing the different characters, so each of those has a different timbre, and that contributes a lot to be each instrument being able to sort of convey these individual characters. So an example of timbre, you know, just to, to contrast it, would be like a piccolo versus a, a French horn or an oboe, which would have a deeper, more granular sound, maybe. Yeah, and I think, I'm not positive, but I think it was a, a bassoon that represented his grandfather, and it's very warm and deep and comforting in a way and conveys this sort of grandfatherly presence. So Now, you mentioned earlier uh, that, that you are interested in developmental disabilities, how people with uh, an autism spectrum disorder, for instance, would process music differently than the rest of us. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of that research? So music, as we've been talking about, it has this incredible power to communicate emotion. So... I wanted to see if people with autism can understand emotion in music more easily than they can understand emotion in other aspects. And so you were able to do this because there are some auditory similarities between music and speech. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. One study that we did that was published recently, uh, we took four piano pieces, four, they were nocturnes by Chopin, and we had a pianist play them expressively, so putting emotion into the piece. So mainly we're looking at loudness and timing variation. And what we did was we took away all of the loudness and timing variation. This left us with sort of a mechanical, robotic piece. And then we made some versions in between, so one with half the expression that was in the original piece. In addition to this, we made a version where we sort of scrambled things up. So we took the timing from one note and moved it to another note. And we took the loudness from one note and moved it to another note. And so all of these things were sort of randomly moved around in the piece. It still had the same notes, but just sounded a little odd, kind of like somebody was sort of tripping over the piano. <laughs> so we wanted to know if only us, you know, the scientists, could tell that this was wrong or if other people actually perceive this as being wrong too. So we tested adults and we tested some children and children with autism also. The adults were able to take the original version and rate it as the most emotional. The middle version they rated as a bit less than the original and then the mechanical robotic sounding version they rated that as even less emotional. And then the random one they rated as the least emotional of all. So then we had the kids with autism and typically developing kids listen to these pieces. And the typical developing kids were similar to the adults, but the kids with autism didn't differentiate at all among these different pieces. They rated them all as being sort of similarly emotional. A parallel can be drawn between this and speech prosody. And prosody of speech is the music of speech. So it's how you convey moods, it's how you convey sarcasm, you know, a question. And there are some studies showing that kids with autism have trouble understanding this in speech. So 
I wanted to sort of make a, a musical parallel to that and see if it, it's specific to the speech or if they also might have trouble sort of understanding this kind of subtle variation in music. So what does it tell you that they, they had the same troubles with the music? It suggests that the speech prosody and the music expression may be calling on similar brain areas. So if they have trouble with both of these, perhaps it's because the network of, of brain areas and the parts of your brain that you need to use to understand both of these are overlapping or are you know, really similar to each other. That was Dr. Anjali Batara with the Laboratory of the Psychology of Perception in Paris. You can hear an extended version of that interview on our website, howonearthradio.org, and get details about our theme music contest. We're already expecting submissions from a number of local musicians, such as Techler, a.k.a. Josh Cutler, a composer and co-owner of Boulder-based game design studio Team Phobic. Here's a sample of his music from the game Undead Ocean. GNU's How on Earth. I'm Tom Yulesman. What does it take for music to have an impact? Don Campbell is the best-selling author of The Mozart Effect and founder of the Institute for Music, Health, and Education here in Boulder. Campbell has traveled the world on a quest to understand music's role in promoting health, learning, creativity, and more. How on Earth's Shelley Schlender caught up with him to get some advice for our theme song quest. John Campbell, you're a famous expert on how music can be used to affect the mind, health, cognition. What kind of a theme song might be good for a science show, a one-minute theme song? You know, you only need 10, 15 seconds. One minute is forever. It's called sonic branding. And, you know, if you hear, dum bum 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 ba da 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 ba dum or you hear, Bum, bum, bum. You automatically know that it's branded that the first is Alka-Seltzer and the second is NBC. Even though you may have music in the background, what you want to do is brand your sound. It's not about, oh, here's pretty music or just because it's loud and wonderful music. NPR has one of the best sonic brandings of anyone when it goes, that's 17 notes or 18 from one of Bach's Brandenburg concertos. For the last 25 years people have said well what piece of music will help a headache or what piece of music can help someone in an operation it's not the right question the question is how do you listen how perked are you how pained are you how much time do you have and i think with a radio program Probably the only time in my car is when I'm just listening to the radio, but then I'm driving, and I'm paying attention to a lot of different things. And you're pointing out also that people listen to the radio when there's a lot of ambient sound around them quite often, so that affects what kind of theme song it might need to be. That's right. I think it has to do with the time of day, the speed of the notes, and how unique different notes can be. All right, you're at your computer. Yeah, I'm at my something. computer. Well, let's see. 
that gives you a very different feeling than this. Or the most famous branded song in the world. Or if you really want to go over to the university for a moment or every high school, that's five seconds. Now, of course, if you're going to be talking over it and wanting to have... All right, good morning, everybody. Are you ready for one of the most updated programs in town? Amen to science. So it's a very sophisticated question, but finding a theme you can live with it doesn't matter whether people know the music. The music you choose has to ring your ear. So if you're doing something else, suddenly you hear that theme and you know that you're going to hear. That's what happens on Car Talk. That's what happens on Garrison Keeler. That's what happens at the top of the hour with news. It kind of grabs your ear and then it can blend into the background. Music can be used in a dozen different ways and it depends on the time of day and how you feel and what you're up to and I think all of these are like markers and um, I d helped develop a program a few years ago called a musical time clock At 6 a.m. they hear yum bum bum beat bum 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 that's old cat stevens morning has broken and then uh, at night rum bum 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 it's only a paper moon but it doesn't take much to catch the ear and so i think that it's the careful careful choice and having the right song, the right time, and having it well licensed, uh, permission to use those five or ten notes, makes such a difference. Thanks to Shelley Schlender for that report. Don Campbell is the author of The Mozart Effect. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Joel Parker. Today's show was produced by me, Ted Burnham, with help from Brianna Draxler and Shelley Schlender. Tim Morton wrote our theme music, Tom Wassinger produced it, and has also been our guest today as we announce our new theme song contest. For more about that contest and, and to submit music of your own, visit our website at howonearthradio.org. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science and Technology Show, I'm Tom Yulsman. And I'm Ted Burnham. <laughs>